Welcome to Coaches and Conversations, where we remove the veil and talk about what it's really like to be a woman building a business online. Because here, it's not just business, it's personal. I'm your host, Master Certified Life Coach and Business Strategist, Tavana Denise. Let's dive in. Okay, so <laughs> we were doing a lot of laughing before we pressed record, but I still also laugh about how we ended up on this call. And I don't think you remember this, Simone, but about three weeks ago, I saw a post on Instagram and it said, I don't really do email. So I thought it was yours because yeah. you have a really minimalistic style to your post when it comes to the graphics. And so later that day, you, I saw that you had given uh, lifetime access to your model heresy class that yeah. changed my life and how I coach. And I passed it on to my clients. They loved it. it has, they still talk about it to this day. So I immediately went to respond to the email to thank you yet again, for that when I remember it, oh, Simone doesn't like emails. So she probably isn't going to respond. So I should probably send her a DM to personally thank her. I do not recommend this to people, but there are a few instances when I'm so moved. So I did, right? And what it sparked was a full on DM conversation about some things that have been happening in the coaching world recently. I was and like, don't tell anybody I said this, but here's all of the tea. <laughs> That was the conversation. And then right. she was like, let's then, record this. And I was like, oh. Well, but okay. So you, I was explaining to you before, like I've seen other podcasts where people are basically positioning themselves as the expert and it's an interview. I don't want to have that. I want to have conversations. Yeah, about let's get real. Stuff yeah. that we really talk about <laughs> or really yeah. think about. Yeah. And like, let's just bat it around. I mean, totally. These are our opinions, our thoughts, our assessments, judgments, whatever. And people can take them on or not. But I think the conversations need to be had. And so thank you so much for saying yes. And oh thank you so much for people. inviting me. You're the best. Absolutely. So, I mean, I know who you are, but tell the rest of the people who you are. Yes, I teach um, life coaches how to love marketing as much as they love life coaching. And that's my niche. And I fucking love what I do. And I have to say, I'm really good at it. Like my students, they end up genuinely loving marketing as much as they love coaching and seeing marketing as an extension of their, their mission and their, and their coaching. And it's, it just lights me up. I fucking love it. Um, I love life coaching. And I say like, I'm, I'm a business coach now, and like, but I, always like at heart, I just see myself as a plain life coach and all the business coaching I do is just like life coaching, right? Because all the shit that comes up, like the hard shit. And I know, you know, this Tavana, because the hard shit in business isn't like how to hack this funnel. The hard shit in business is when your brain is being an asshole and you got to learn how to be on your own side and not be an asshole to yourself right? The hard shit in business is when you're like depressed and you feel like everything's falling apart. When somebody says no, when you, you know, when somebody DMs you and says something that triggers your childhood memory of abuse, like it's all of that messy human shit that we all have in common. That's the really hard shit about business. You know, and I'm in um, Stacey Bateman's $2 million 
um, group. And we're all like very high earners. There are a bunch of us, seven figure earners, multiple six figure earners. And every time we get together to get coached, we always joke. There's like a running joke in that group. Like today we're going to talk about Facebook ads, right? Because we never talk about Facebook ads. We just like break down and cry about like our childhood wounds and, and like healing them and learning how to love ourselves and like learning how to separate our thoughts from our circumstances. And that is what we do. Listen, the million dollar level. It, it happens at the million dollar level, the multi-million dollar level. And it's so interesting. Like I, I have for many years, bat it back and forth. Like, am I a business and life coach? Am I a life and business coach? Am I a business coach that does lifestyle? Like all of that, because you're right. It, they, you cannot separate them. And, and I feel sad for the people that say, oh, well, I already earned six figures or multiple six figures. I don't have any mindset issues anymore. I'm like, (laughs) auntie, this stuff is always bringing, like even doing this with you and like really putting my, all of my thoughts out in front of people scares the bejesus out of me. People think, oh, Tavana, you just say anything. I wish I could do it. I'm like, I don't always say anything. I know. I'm also like, I'm going to totally put my foot in my mouth and later I'm going to be like, Tavana, can you just take that part out when you edit it? When I said that thing, cause it's really offensive and everybody's going to realize they hate me. So yeah, this is totally like at every stage, if you don't think you have mindset shit, then you're not looking hard enough or you're not challenging yourself at all to grow and you're stagnating. Like you got mindset issues, girl, boy, and, or and non-binary person. Right. What? Well, right. And the trauma stuff. And so let's go back to what started all of this, right? Yeah. The model heresy class. Can you just tell people a little bit about what that class was like and what prompted it? Because it was amazing. Okay. Thank you so much. That class is my pride and joy. You can buy it for $6. So you should just go fucking buy it in $6. Everybody was listening because it is fire. But if you, um, let me tell you the heart of it is, you know, people, we, we love the self-coaching model, um, created by Brooke Castillo circumstances, trigger our thoughts, our thoughts, create our feelings, our feelings, um, give rise to actions. And then our actions create results. Like that's the basic model of the you know universe and how we humans operate that we find so useful for self-coaching. And what I found missing was that, I mean, what I thought was so interesting was that so many people use the model as a way to go to war with themselves. They use the model to make themselves feel wrong and to push themselves into, you know, like a, a box, uh, you know, a, a mold that they are not aligned with, or they don't want to go, they're not ready to go into yet. Um, and they do it in a, they're doing all of this in a way where they're completely ignoring their bodies because they're just staying stuck in the brain because the model is a cognitive tool. It, it requires language and logic. Cause like one thing going to another, that's, that's logical. That's language. That's the faculty of our left brain, broadly speaking. I know I'm generalizing and, um, the left brain is a brilliant tool and it is only one tiny part of your, I wouldn't say tiny, but it's one part of your entire nervous system. You've got like your nervous system goes all the way down to your gut. Um, I have learned and it's just got like a million really fascinating things happening and a lot of how the nervous system works which affects your emotions and thoughts are completely even out of your conscious control right and so that you gotta how do you account for all of the crazy miraculous things that are happening with your complex body which I know you know more a lot more about than I because you're actually uh you're you're a physical therapist and I'm 
I don't, I, I got like a B in biology. So I don't know in like high school. Um, but I was like, there's gotta be a way to, well, actually it came out of my personal exploration working with the model. Cause I don't just do, I don't just sit down and, and do models in the way that I saw a lot of other people do. I take my body into consideration. I take my spirituality into consideration. I play with the model um, in a way that accounts for my trauma responses. I use the model to, I learned how to use the model, not to attack myself, but to love myself more with. Um, and I was like, you know what? I have some ideas on this. I bet some people would find it helpful. And so I jotted down some notes and I was like, this doesn't even have anything to do with my niche or it's not going to be any part of my funnel or anything. It's not like a whatever. I'm just going to teach it because I love coaches and they're going to find it useful. And when I first, um, you know, put up like, you know, some basic sales language for it, because I wasn't, it's not like I was thinking, I'm going to make a lot of money with this. I was like, I'm going to make it $6, just like, it's like a cup of coffee. Like, so it's fun. Right. I was like, maybe like, you know, I don't know, like 60 people will sign up. It'll be fun. (laughs) And then a lot more than those 60 people signed up. And it, and it kind of, um, it's so funny. A friend of mine, like actually one of my very best friends was on, um, on, on a one-on-one coaching call as part of, you know, self-coaching scholars, you know, those 20 minute calls and she was getting coached on something. And her coach for that session was like, um, have you heard of this class called model heresy? Because I think you'd find it really useful. And my friend was like, yeah, that's my best friend. (laughs) So it's like, it's really like making the rounds and it really made me. So I was really proud, but it really came out of my personal exploration with the model. And I don't, here's the thing. Like, I don't like go and use this language that I see a lot of, a lot of other people using, like, it's like, oh, the model isn't enough. Like you, you, you know, kind of as if, as if the model is the problem, like a model is a tool it's meant to help you. I think people only get mad at the model when it's not like the be all end all of like all of the problems with being human, right? It is a right. powerful tool. And what I offered in Model Heresies, how to use it um, so that it gives you even more of your power and your own magic back. Anyway, so that's a really big, long spiel. No, I mean, it was, it was freaking amazing because it, it, I loved how you took it a step further because I've been acclimated with the model since January, 2014. And it came to me maybe in 2016. I was like, something is the, the word that I had at the time is like, something's missing. And I couldn't quite put my finger on what it was because I knew that there were some triggers. And I remember drawing it out for a friend of mine one day. And I was like, oh, identity is in here somewhere where that sometimes will trigger a, um, a thought about a certain circumstance. For example, if a person is a rich person, they, because of that identity, that tends to lead them towards certain thoughts about certain circumstances. Yeah, if you're rich or if you're black or white or Asian, like a woman versus man, because yeah. we have that identity that lends itself to a certain set of thoughts about a circumstance. So I was like, oh, that's where, but then when you, when you wrote out how you saw it in the model heresy, I was like, yes. And then there was that trauma piece where I was like, I don't know, because for a very long time, I was very disconnected from my body, from my emotions, mm-hmm. being a, an athlete and a physical therapist. Like I know how how the body moves. I know what things feel like, but I also being in healthcare can shut that part down because Mm, if there's an emergency, right. If there's an emergency, I need to still be able to think I can't. 
So it was it was super fascinating. And then <laughs> we started talking about there was this article that was going around that it was not very flattering, but I would love to hear your thoughts about that particular article and how so many people, at least I, when I saw this article, I was very confused about why people were so upset. And, and I was just like, wait, huh? What is happening? And I, I was telling you, I literally had to go look up the definition of cult because I was super, super confused. This is, okay, this is the part of our DM conversation where Tavana was like, I don't understand why people are calling the life coach school a cult. And I was like, well, you know why? Let me tell you, it's because some people like, like life coach school becomes a cult when you participate in it, like it's a cult, meaning when you come to it and you, what happens when you join a cult, you give up your personal agency, right? You stop making decisions for yourself. You stop thinking for yourself and you outsource all of your thinking and decision-making to the cult leader and what the cult says you should do. Right. Like, um, in a lot of cults, I think like they tell you like who to get married. They tell you which family members uh, to not to talk to your family members, what to eat, what to, who to have sex with, like all these things. And, um, I think if, if you go into any organization with the, with the mindset of like, okay, now they're going to tell me all the answers to life. And all I have to do is follow them. And all of my life streams will, will come true. Then you are participating like a cult member. Right. And so mm -hmm. I was saying <laughs> in our private conversation, which is no longer private, I was like, listen, some people honestly participated in the life coach, like in the whole like experience of coaching as if it were a cult, outsourcing their decisions. Like, I don't know what to think about the world. So I guess I'm just going to take what Brooke says, right? Um, I'm just, I don't like the discomfort of being human. It's very messy. I don't like my emotions. So, oh, this tool, it's going to solve it. Like it's, it's supposed to take care of everything for me. Oh, I don't like, I have financial problems. Oh, this this thing is going to like make me rich for life. And, and, you know, just going to all kind of like, like projecting all of your hopes and dreams and like fears and insecurities onto this like set of set of ideas, person teaching and expecting it to, you know, and solve all these things for you while you completely give up your intelligence, your willpower, your own ideas. Um, and then what happens is that you get disillusioned because you put this thing on a pedestal and then you have an experience where you end up like re-traumatizing yourself because um, that was never meant to be on a pedestal in the first place, right? Like you you end up feeling, feeling disappointed by Brooke Castillo, the human being, because you realize that she's not a god. You realize you, you know, you end up rebelling against what you once put on a pedestal because you realize it's actually not the answer to every single one of life's ills because nothing is the answer to every single one of life's ills, right? Yeah. Well, we were and talking I, about this yeah. too, like even in health, like if we spend 20K or 18 or whatever it is for coach certification, that then it means that we're automatically going to make six figures or more as a coach or what have you. And I was like, well, wait, that doesn't make sense to me. Even coming from a background in healthcare, we know when we come out of school that we just have the basics. That's, that's all. And we are going to go into practice and we're going to decide who we want to special, you know, what we want to specialize in. And we're going to go get more training to be specialists in that, that what we got in school was not the, the be all end all and that there was and, more to be done. And physical therapists, physicians, um, my husband's a lawyer. These professionals go to school to get training and they expect to be in debt for the first few years of their lives 
so that they can pay off their school education um, so that they can like by committing to that education um, and that profession, you know that overall in your life, um, you're going to make a lot more money because of that education, but you expect to be in debt, right? And you're not mad that you're not automatically like swimming in riches, like first year out of school, second year out of school, third year out of school. You're like, okay, that education prepared me to create my own success in this field, right? Like that's, I think that's the really interesting distinction because like real professionals know that school is literally just the beginning. School sets you up with what you need so that you can go out into the real world, take risks, fall on your face a few times, you know, and and really be, become a professional, right? That is the start line, like, like you just said, it's not the end. And I think that a lot of the disappointments that people have about the coaching industry and coaching education comes from really not treating it like it's a real profession, not having enough respect for your own profession. Like if physical therapists, how long do, do the physical therapists have to, have to go to school for? Mm, at this point, it's about seven years after high school. So four, uh, get a degree and then three more. How long after they graduate from all the school before they can expect to make six figures? Pretty much right away or? Mm, I, I think it depends on where in the country they are. So obviously New York, California pays a little bit more, but I'll say even when I finished at 19 years in practice, I was anywhere between 85,000 to 105, depending on you how much I say 19 years in practice. Mm -hmm. See, after seven years of school? Uh, well, I have a bachelor's, but yeah, after seven years, like I was still making uh, up in the top. So the newer yeah. ones were probably making 75. Yeah, that's, that is the reality of, of the, of, of how these professions work. And, you know, I just, and the thing is, I bet, okay, hold on. I want to say this. I think that uh, one of the things that uh, people have thoughts about is the idea of of how is it's about how Brooke um, places life coaching as as positions it as this thing where you can make anything happen, right? Like you can become a millionaire. Like the sky is the limit. Like you can make anything and put anything on the R line. And I think that suggestion of possibility which is real. Like it, it, the possibility is definitely real, right? I think it makes people think people feel entitled to that possibility. Like it should happen to me. And, and it should be easy and it, and should, it should be, be fast. It should be fast. It and it cost anything. Yeah. I paid a lot of money. So was, and the thing is, I, wonder, I, so first of all, I love the way Brooke markets the life coach school and, and the field of life coaching, because like I said, I, the, the possibility is real. The possibility is real. If you, cause like, for example, a seven figure business is an extraordinary outcome and it's an extraordinary outcome. And it's an extraordinary outcome that's available to you. If you put in an extraordinary amount of work, and if you learn how to think in an extraordinary way, Right. And I love that that is that she holds this bar of extraordinary up and says, here, here's what's available. Come, I'm inviting you into extraordinary. Right. Mm -hmm. And I always think about how I was actually just reflecting this morning about how it took me eight years after I got my first certification to make literally any kind of money doing live coaching and mm -hmm. actually seven years to make any kind of money and nine years to make a million dollars. And if I, um, 
I, I just think about that whole time. Extraordinary was just in my brain. Extraordinary was like on the horizon. And I just kept going. I just never gave up. And I never felt I was mad that I didn't, you know, didn't have extraordinary outcomes because I was, I knew I was in the process of becoming extraordinary. So I want to ask you, like, what are you in the process of becoming? Right? Like, what are you really committed to? And um, I just said, I love the way, way, way Brooke markets it. And, the, and every marketing, and you and I both like teach people marketing in different ways, right? So I think every marketing is invitation right? No yeah. marketing is a guarantee. Every marketing is, is an, and it shouldn't be a guarantee because you know what guarantee means? People love guarantees. Guarantee is like a, like a removal of your personal power. It's like, it doesn't matter what you think or what you do. This is going to definitely happen for you. It's like, no, like people shouldn't, that's not good. People should come into any kind of training, any kind of education, any kind of coaching to strengthen their personal power, not to like, um, abdicate it and not to abdicate it. Right. Like you should have more personal responsibility, more of a sense of your personal power and what you can achieve at the end of a training or whatever, not less because, Oh, they said it was guaranteed. So I'm just gonna, you know, no, like you're supposed to become that more extraordinary person. And so, um, what was I even saying? I forgot what I was saying. Then you <laughs> love how did she, she markets. Oh, right, right. So I love how she markets because it's an invitation into the extraordinary. and. I was thinking, I'm, I'm actually thinking I'm just going to record a podcast about this on my own podcast, but I was thinking that we need another model of like presenting coaching as an option to lay people that kind of holds up the, I mean, the word average sounds so whatever, but like, you know, much more low key, right? Mm. Like slow, steady kind of, you know, model as we, we need to put more of those models out there because I think that is way more people than mil millionaires. And I think, you know, I have, I have clients I've been working with for years who, you know, are earning, um, they're the coaches, they're earning, you know, 60K, 70K, you know, in their businesses and they have one-on-one -on -one practices and they love their work. They love their clients and they're not big and flashy and like super duper millionaire, but it's like their, their incomes supports their, their lives beautifully. And they have a pace of life. They love, they're changing their clients' lives every day. Their clients keep renewing. They have their like little corner of the internet where, you know, they're, they don't have a gazillion followers, but it's just like, so everything about their business works for them and they love it a billion times more than whatever they were doing previously. And I feel like I want to hold up more of those examples too, because not because it's wrong to invite people to be millionaires. I think it's fucking amazing. I think Brooke should keep doing it. And Stacey should keep doing it. But because that is not the only way you get to love coaching as a profession. And so what would it be like if we said, okay, everybody, you graduated from coaching school. Perfect. Now in the next three years, your job is to learn how to make like 50 grand a year from it. Right. That's because well, like, yeah. here's the thing. It's so interesting when you know, like they make 60, 70,000, like, isn't the average income in the U S 40 something. So you're totally. still doing better than most people. And you, and you still paid a lot fucking less for life coaching school than, um, college, college or school to become physical therapist or, or nurse yeah, or lawyer or any of these things. Yeah. That's got a six figure tag on it now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They're they super upset about that, but yeah, I mean, it, it is so, so many things. And so I, I often said the first step 
in building your business, a lifestyle business, like what we have in coaching is to redefine success and like re in brackets, either you're defining it for the first time or you're redefining it. Because I think so, so often we look at six figure, this seven figure that just like you were saying, like that is the only standard. And if I'm not going for that, then I'm not doing anything with my life and I should just hang it up. And it, it causes a lot of, I think, guilt and shame for some of our colleagues. And you know this too, because you make a lot of money, but when you make a lot of money, that's not what makes you happy, right? <laughs> no. no. Going on the <laughs> no, ATV we like last snor- week, getting muddy water in my head was freaking amazing. And it cost $106. Wait, what did? I went on the four-wheeler last weekend and got mud and water in my hair and it cost $106. And we <laughs> that's screamed what you and happy. yelled and it was awesome. Yes, yes. Because thing is, Here's what you realize when I, I make my business brings in multiple millions a year. And here's the thing. If I make my money mean I'm successful, I'm going to have a fucking miserable time being a millionaire because I would make, because I know, because my brain tries to do it and I, I don't let it. Um, it's like, oh, look at all these, all this money. That means I'm successful. That means people love me. That means I'm brilliant. Because what happens if I have that, if I t- attach my self-worth and my self-concept and my happiness to my money is then I become paranoid about the money. I make mm-hmm. all my decisions around trying to hoard more, trying to make more and trying to conserve what I have and trying to like hold on to it for dear life because it's what gives me my sense of safety and identity, right? And then guess what? If you're putting money first, in terms of business decisions, you make shitty business decisions because you're not you're not putting your own happiness and you're not putting your love of clients first. And then when you're doing that, your family life life suffers because you're just thinking about the money, right? So it's at every income level. And the thing is, if you have millions, then you are even more miserable because you have more to lose and you become more fearful, right? So at every level of income. It your brain will test you. You will make the the money a reason to be miserable, right? You make the money a reason to believe in yourself, and you can't let either happen. I believe in myself because I love the human being that I am. You know, I love how much love I have in my heart. I love my family. Like I love the you know I love how I know how to use my brain. Like that has to be always where I where I get my self worth from. Um, not my money. It's like I, the more I want, the more money I make, the more I think about that. It's like, it's like a mon- The money is like a monster that can keep growing if you use it to use it to validate your sense of self worth. It just only gets worse when you make more. Yeah, I mean, I said this to a client the other day. I was like, "Why are you doing transactional marketing?" Where she was yeah. putting a post out and expecting a client yeah. back. Or Where's my sale? Where's the consult? Right. I'm like, yeah. it's it's all it's all very akin to what you were just talking about with the money. Like she was using the external validation of the comments, the likes, the consults to make it mean that she had done a good job or that was a good post or she was doing good work in the world. And I'm like, that's that's not right. Just put it out there. Do it because mm-hmm. you you want to do it because it feels good. Do it because you think it's going to help even one person that sees it. And so I think, and I had to go through this myself. It's like, we have to make that switch from me and the money to the mission. And then the money comes with such ease and such velocity that it, you know, it could like, whoa, I didn't know it could be that fast and easy. Totally. And I'm going to draw a crazy line to something we were talking about earlier and connected okay. to what you just said, which is, I think so much about the, 
um, I know we both teach this in different ways, but like, I think it's so much about the um, importance of serving and problem solving from overflow. Right. So it's like, I'm going to make this post. I'm going to work on this issue in my business because I love my life and I love my business and I love myself and me working on this issue is going to make it even better. Right. And I, I love my business so much and I love my offer so much. I can't help but tell people about it. I can't help but make a post about it. Right. I can't help but troubleshoot it because I love it so much. That is what I mean by problem solving or serving from overflow as opposed to, oh my God, what I have sucks. And it's going to be validated when somebody pays for, for it. Right. Yes. And um, here, here's the crazy line that I'm going to draw going, talking to about that the article, right. On the guardian and which is representative of the way so many people I have seen, unfortunately think about like the life coaching industry or whatever is like, it's an endemic kind of like fucked up thinking pattern that, that women have been socialized to have, to have to fix things. Cause you're defective. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we're having that same paradigm about the profession you're in, the industry you're in, let's fix life coaching because life coaching is defective. And how I know it's defective is that I'm in it because I'm used to thinking that I'm defective and anything I choose is defective. And so like, you know, it's like a really weird, like, I don't even know what to call it. And kind of like when you try to improve something, the only way you can do it is like by criticizing and bringing it down and devaluing it first. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's why I like in my Instagram or whatever, like I never accept feedback about what I could do better. That comes from a place of like devaluing me and what I do. Right. And I don't accept because I don't accept that shit from my own brain. My brain's like, well, you suck. You should go make this better. I'm like, excuse me. That's not how I talk to myself. I don't I don't make anything better because it. I suck. I make something better because I love myself and I'm awesome and I'm and I want to be even better. Right. And so here's the, when when so many coaches are like, um, okay, I shouldn't say so many. It's actually actually it is the minority. Right. Um, and like, well, the coaching industry is this wrong with the coaching industry that wrong with it that, you know, like Brooke needs to fix this and the industry needs to be better about that. It's, it's, you're doing the same thing that so many people would do with their brains that we life coaches help them with, where you think something has to be, the only reason something needs to be improved or fixed is because it's defective. What if instead life coaching is fucking awesome. Brooke is fucking awesome. And the life coach school is an example of what's possible, lifting up tons of humans everywhere to create greater possibilities in their life and have more happiness and money and all, all the great things. And it's still evolving. And there are things that each of us could bring to make the field uh, richer and better and more you know, available to all kinds of humans, right? Like we can improve things out of love. And if you're reflexive, like tendency is to tell other people to be, oh, you should be accountable. You should be better at that from a place of not honoring and loving and respecting like that inherent quality of the thing, then that's not about that thing. It's probably reflective more of the relationship that you have with yourself. Mm. 
So is that kind of why, and one of the last things that we were talking about in our conversation, I asked you, do you think that that tearing down happens in male-led organizations? And you were like, no, no patriarchy. And so I think you were just getting into that, but can you just like really help me understand? Cause I was like, why does this seem to happen in the women-led organizations? And I, and I might just not be privy to it, but I don't, hear of it happening as much with the ones led by men. What's I think men or, and people socialized as, as men are not, um, they're not socialized. They're not taught that they're the problem. Like they're not taught to internalize, right. Issues that arise. So for example, if, if a car is broken, you're like, oh, well, let's go fix the car. Like, you're not like, oh, the car is broken. I'm broken. Right. <laughs> I think like males are socialized from an early age to externalize the problem. And I'm sure part of it is genetics too, for at the risk of, you know, being controversial, but like, and, and I think women are a lot more prone to internalize the problem and pers pers personalize, personify, like, like I'm like, this is not working. Therefore it means I'm not working. Right. This is a problem. Therefore I'm a problem. Oh my God. That happened the other day in a coaching session. I was the, the client said something and I said, what about repeating her exact words? What about this? Um, it was about failing the act of failing. And she flipped it to say, I am a failure. And I was like, yep. whoa, that was interesting how she just in that one minute when she reflected it back to me from herself said, no, I am a totally. failure. Yeah. And you know, how, Tavana, like you and I have talked about this before, but like um, for the black coaches directly, but people, um, the same kind of thinking where you internalize the problem when you make you the problem is the same thing that keeps people from doing um, work on themselves to become more anti-racist and to become more, um, you know, just like better do more things for, for justice and equity in the world. Because if you're white or even if you're not white, if you're whatever, and you think, oh, I did, or I said something that is harmful and racist. And if you can allow that without thinking I'm harmful and racist as a person, mm -hmm. right? Then you can actually look at those thoughts and examine them and change them because you're not busy like beating yourself up because you're a horrible person, right? What if you can say something that's racist, have a thought that's racist, do something that's racist, and it doesn't mean you, well, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're, that doesn't mean oh. you're a horrible person. And I think so many people don't even let themselves engage in this work because they don't want to feel like a bad person. And you never have to feel like a bad person. You can, you can be a person who does things, says things that are flawed sometimes. And you get to look at it when you can externalize the problem. Right. And it's the same thing that keeps people from doing, doing anti-racism work, the same thing that keeps people from making more money. It's the same thing from, it keeps people from experiencing like pride in their profession. Yeah, 100%. Like, I know we could talk about all the things forever and a day. <laughs> but I know. Like, if you if so before I ask you my last question, have we talked about everything that you can think of that's just like on the tip of your tongue, like you're chomping at the bits to say around? I, I feel like it's going to come to me after I get off the call, which we'll just have to schedule um, part two. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. So before I ask my my last question, then Tell the people how they can find you, follow you, stalk you, learn all the things about you. 
Okay. Well, you should follow me on Instagram where I'm simone.grace.soul. Um, that's spelled S-E-O-L. That's my last name. Um, and uh, I think, I, I, listen, I'm awesome. Like I'm hilarious on Instagram. So you should definitely really follow is. me. <laughs> and um, you, your marketing will change if you follow me. So follow me. Yeah, I'm a fan. And oh, by the way, to round off the story, after I told you like, oh, I should just DM you because you don't do emails. You were like, but wait a minute, I don't have a problem with email. So then I'm like, yeah, she rem- misremembers. Well, whose post was I reading? And it was just somebody that had a very similar style. So it wasn't even you, which I think is hilarious and serendipitous because here we are. That's so right. my last question for you is what would you tell your former self, like, what did you say, nine years ago when you were starting out your entrepreneurial journey? You know, what's so interesting is because I, when you asked me that question, my immediate thought is like, what I needed to hear back then is what I need to hear now. Right. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, you never change. You're always just evolving. You're always just like growing into the next edge. And right now I feel very much like I'm in the, I'm at the beginning, I'm at the start line of like who I'm becoming next. Right. So when I, at, you know, ha- with a business that brings in multiple millions, when I think about my business creating like a hundred million dollars, right. And when I think about my, my message, my teaching, reaching millions of people instead of a few thousand, that feels as impossible and scary and unpleasant and unknowable to me now, um, as much of a, like a, you know, um, just as confusing and as, you know, impossible to my brain as the idea of making any money and even having an identity as a life coach seemed to me 10 years ago. Mm. Right. So it's not like, oh, well, back then I just didn't know. I wish I would have known that, but it's now like, I wish I could know now that whatever is my reality now is extremely temporary. I wish I could know fully now that if I'm dreaming it, if I'm imagining it, it's in the process of unfolding for me. And I want to know fully now that all of my fears and doubts and drama is not a problem. And when I pay attention to it with love, it always leads me in the most interesting directions. And I want to know all of what I just said right now more deeply every single day, because that's going to take me faster to my dreams. So good. I'm so thankful for you and blessed to have you in my life and in my world. And I have a question for you, Tamara. I'm just like personally curious. What's like your big dream? Uh, Life or business? Either, I guess. I'm just curious, like what your vision board is. Well, I actually live it now. Oh, so good. I'm like, it's time to get dreaming again, I guess. But right now I'm just letting my nervous system settle into like, it's safe. This is, this is who I am before I add. But I would say from a business perspective, I have this vision of having a, like really a sisterhood, a sorority, if you will, for coaches, just to really support them and love on them and lift them up as people in the industry. Because like I said, we have plenty of business masterminds, but I just got lots of comfort from coming to Mexico and having a meltdown. What did I do kind of things? And people in the coaching community saying, I live 20 minutes away. Let's go to brunch. Like an actual sorority. Yeah, for real. And people saying, and I'm saying uh, a hurricane came when I first got here and someone saying, come to my house. I have a generator. Oh my gosh. Like that kind of stuff. 
it's like really taking care of each other as human beings and not just like professional contact. Like that's so beautiful. And the thing is like you, if somebody's a, somebody's a life coach, you know, they're already like your soul sister. Right. So, cause exactly. you like know the secret secrets of the universe together. That's beautiful. I, um, I want to be, I want to be part of it. <laughs> Let me in okay. the sorority. Absolutely. You got your invitation then, sis. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you later. And if you want to continue the conversation with us, join our private community at tavanadenise.com forward slash join. This is your place to get real, get honest, and share what's on your mind and heart as a woman building a business online. I can't wait to meet you on the inside.